0: Welcome to Family Office Connections. I'm Edward Marshall, Managing Director here at Boston Private. Today's conversation focusing focuses on providing everyone a, a primer on the tax proposals between the two presidential candidates and areas where you can examine some of those differences and uh, perhaps make some uh, preparations for that. My colleague, Jason Kane will share his insights uh, based on experience of working in this area for nearly three decades. Jason, thanks for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Ed. So, Jason is a family office subject matter expert. He runs our Center for Wealth Planning Excellence uh, at Boston Private. He's a former tax attorney, and I've now had the pleasure of working with him now at two different firms. So let's uh, let's get rolling into the into uh, the questions here, Jason. You've certainly been in the planning business for a while. You've worked with business owners, sponsors, family offices for of all. Different stripes. Uh, This election certainly promises some interesting times. Uh, We've had, uh, you know, one candidate uh, start talking about a unity task force about how they're going to put together their policy agenda. Uh, I think we have some familiarity of this administration's goals. What do you think are those some major uh, differences between uh, Mr. Biden and Mr. Trump? Well,
1: I think there's four or five on the income tax side. There's uh, 4 or 5 major uh, divergences uh, between the 2 candidates Uh, and in doing uh, a little bit of uh, historical analysis uh, to to quantify uh, Mr. Biden's proposals, which are increases uh, and Mr. Um, Trump's proposal, or I wouldn't even call it a proposal uh, other than he would like the 2017 tax act to become permanent. Uh, Those are. To keep taxes where they are. Um, In 2016, when Hillary Clinton was running uh, for uh, president, she proposed a $1 trillion uh, tax increase. Uh, Mr. Biden's uh, proposal uh, is almost $4 trillion of increases in taxes, which would make it the largest tax increase in the history of the world. Uh, Not in the history of the United States, but in the history of the world. Um, So let's break down uh, kind of the 4 or 5 core income tax areas and then we'll, we'll hit on the estate tax areas. uh, After that, but um, for starters, uh, Mr. Biden has proposed uh, returning the top individual tax rate to 39.6%. Uh, it currently sits at 37% and it's very difficult to wrap your hands around exactly. Uh, what the proposal looks like there's sound bits there's uh, sharing of information and data and, and uh, the, the dialogue discussions from the candidates in their uh, respective campaigns um, does the 39.6% bracket uh, also uh, include the lowering of. Uh, those amounts to roughly 450,000 dollars where they now sit roughly, uh, you don't hit the 37% bracket until you're well into 600,000 dollars range of, of uh, taxable income. Uh, likely the answer is yes, there uh, as um, Biden has alluded that he would completely eliminate the 2017. Um, tax act uh, that was uh, enacted and became law as of January 1, 2018. So that's the first issue uh, that we face is uh, reversion back to the old uh, brackets uh, along with a um, increase in the top marginal bracket to 39.6 to, uh, percent. Second piece uh, that comes and trickles out of, of uh, his proposal is Um, an elimination or appeal of the small business tax rate, 199A uh, for those tax geeks out there uh, who have um, utilized that provision. Uh, Basically, it it was a sidecar to the lowering uh, of the corporate tax rate, and it allows certain uh, income of flow through entities, partnerships, LLCs, sole proprietorships, Uh, To be taxed at 20% Um, in in essence, a vast majority of businesses across the country uh, are flow through and they were allowed a special lower rate uh, of 20, 20% percent to the 2017 legislation. Um, Mr Biden has proposed that that would be uh, repealed. uh, Also, so uh, 1 and 2 on the list of probably 4 or 5 that He's focusing on. I think this is the one that's going to uh, raise the the blood pressure of most folks across the country, and that is um, an increase in the capital gains tax rate. So, um, the current capital gains tax rate uh, is 20%. It's been over the course of the last 15 years, it's been as low as 15%. And uh, what Mr. Biden has proposed is coupling the ordinary income and the capital gains. Uh, What does this mean? He basically uh, will not differentiate uh, on income, whether it's capital or ordinary, uh, so that you would now have under his proposal, if you were elected and and we had a Democrat controlled Senate and they passed this legislation, you would now have capital gains taxes Particularly he's focused on for earners uh, with 1Million dollars or more of income at 39.6%. So you sell your stock uh, almost 40% of the appreciation of that stock would be subject to uh, income taxes at the same rate as ordinary income. Keep in mind that if you uh, take that rate 39.6% and you add to it, the net investment income tax uh, rate of 3.8%, you could have a tax on capital gains at a level approaching 43.5%. So that is a a substantial deviation from our current tax um, uh, strategy or current tax structure, uh, which differentiates between uh, ordinary income, which Folks on the right side will say that that's taxed uh, as at the first uh, occasion when earned, and capital gains, which is a uh, second layer of tax at a subsequent time, uh, as you've paid tax on your ordinary income, you then uh, have deployed that income and invested it, and now you're paying a second layer. So, um, from a policy perspective, that's a, a pretty big uh, change in how we tax income. The um, there are some limitations in uh, Mr. Biden's proposal with regard to itemized deductions. Uh, he uh, would limit certain deductions so that they would not have an effective rate above 28%. Uh, he would also bring back what's called the P's Amendment, which um, lowers your Itemized deductions phases out your itemized deductions, the higher your income goes uh, the the there is a little bit of positive uh, in eliminating the. uh, 2017 tax act in that uh, there would no longer be a 10,000 dollar cap on. uh, State and local taxes uh, for deductibility, but when you combine higher rates, you combine, um, you combine the peace amendment uh, that that benefit gets swallowed up almost immediately. Um, The other, the fifth other kind of what I refer to as big uh, ticket item uh, in his proposals uh, is that currently um, we pay um, wage taxes, uh, social security taxes on earned income uh, and those um, taxes Uh, Phase out at 137,000 dollars of of income, so you pay um, social security taxes uh, of. If you're an employee, 6.2% your employer also plays that pays that 6.2% on your 1st, 137,000 of wages, 137,700 dollars of wages wages above that amount. You, as the employee, do not pay uh, that 6.2% uh, and uh, the um, employer does not also pay uh, an equal amount and keep in mind, this numbers, you know, it's going to be likely close with inflation uh, adjustments to 140,000 dollars in 2021. Uh, I can recall uh, when I started working and I, th- I looked at my uh, social security. Uh, statement that number was roughly, I think it was in the 20s, maybe 28, 29,000 dollars. So this uh, has gone up dramatically uh, over the course of the last. Uh, 20, 25, uh, 30 years, the proposal that Mr Biden has placed out, out in public is that the. 6.2% or. 12.4% when you add both the employer and the employee portion uh, would. Um, kick in again at 400,000. So, 1st, let's round uh, for ease of discussion. The 1st, 140,000 uh, dollars. Is uh, taxed at um, uh, 6.2 employer 6.2 employee, uh, then there's no tax from 137,000 to 400,000. And then it, uh, for those making more than four hundred thousand dollars of earned income, uh, they would then again pay six point two percent as an employee, and the employer would pay six point two percent for those wages above four hundred thousand uh, dollars. And, and that is a another uh, significant uh, divergence from uh, how those employment taxes have been applied uh, for many many years. Um, those are the five core. Um, areas, or uh, as I would say, the, the most important uh, components of, of uh, the tax proposal that Biden has put out and again, uh, it's very uh, easy to talk about um, President Trump and his proposal It is the 2017 act, which is set to expire uh, at the end of 2025 and uh, his proposals to make that permanent his desire would be uh that that uh, that piece of legislation uh would become permanent uh, so from an income tax perspective uh a very divergent uh set of proposals put forth by uh the two candidates and i'll take a pause there ed uh see if you have any questions
0: jason is that uh regarding the social security tax uh, uh you know increased um it, w- is there a cap on the above that four hundred thousand dollars or how does that work
1: so to answer your question ed the tax is four hundred thousand dollars and north uh for the social security amount and there is no cap on it so how under the new proposal how it would work is for an employee uh he or she would pay the six point two percent social security tax on the first $138,000 of income, would not pay that tax between $138,000 and $400,000 of income. And then from $400,000 of income and above, uh, he or she would then pay the tax uh, on that amount with no limit. Uh, the employer would also have to pay uh, the, the tax uh, on those same amounts. So a significant increase, uh, particularly for um, executives uh, that are making more than $400,000 uh, of 6.2% on the employee side and 6.2% on the employer side.
0: It's a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of differences uh, between those two proposals. Um, in terms of private equity, I mean, you mentioned uh, the capital gains um, change in proposal in a, in a potential Biden administration. Uh, Are there any other specific tax provisions to private equity uh, that that have been announced by uh, either candidate?
1: Not at this point, uh, but I think the two pieces that really affect uh, those who invest in private equity are um, certainly the um, capital gains uh, decoupling. Uh, that is going to be significant. Uh, most folks um, who are private equity investors uh, are doing so for capital appreciation. Uh, and they have um, been able to, when they do have appreciation, they've been able to pay at the current capital gains rates of 20%. There's also a surtax there. Um, we have taxes and surtaxes and taxes on taxes all across the code. Uh, but um, the big issue for private equity investors and uh, in principles is that uh, if there is no separate capital gains uh, rate and everything is taxed uh, at the same rate, which by the way, many states, uh, if not most states, follow that regime, uh, you're going to have a significant Change, uh, and more than in many instances, uh, a doubling, almost doubling of the uh, of the capital gains taxes that folks would pay uh, when they sold um, assets. What about corporate taxes?
0: I, I, I know uh, you, you mentioned uh, the current administration is looking to keep things where they are. Is there a number that you've been hearing?
1: Yeah. Uh, um, so. Um, we had 1 of the highest prior to 2017, the United States had 1 of the highest. Uh, corporate income tax rates, uh, 35%. Now, keep in mind uh, that very few. Corporations uh, paid at 35% with the variety of, of um, other uh, benefits that could be um, achieved depreciation, uh, deductions, expenses, the, the like. Um, and what um, president. Trump really pushed in 2017 was a, that, that our corporate tax rate should be um, at the median of the worldwide corporate tax rate. So if you looked at all the industrialized countries uh, across the world, uh, the median rate um, for corporate income taxes was roughly 22 and a percent right in that number. And he wanted to get below uh, that number. And actually... Uh, as the 2017 act evolved and I will tell you it, it evolved. Uh, it was the most rapid evolution of a tax bill uh, in the last probably ever, not even in the last um, 20, 30, 40 years, but ever. Uh, that thing uh, changed and, and went through both sides of the, uh, both the House and the Senate with uh, an amazing amount of, um, of uh, quickness. They even, in the final legislation, they hand wrote on the side uh, of the legislation. So it was something that we've never seen before. Uh, He started at 20% before uh, settling and uh, getting the number to 21% uh, as the back and forth of the legislative process occurred. Biden has, Mr. Biden has proposed, I've seen 28% uh, as a number. So he's not coming... Full off the uh, or returning to the 35%, uh, but that would put us roughly six and a half points uh, above the industrialized uh, average, uh, roughly. Uh, so he has uh, proposed uh, an increase in the 21% rate, but not back to or revert to the pre 2017 tax rate, pre 2018 tax rate. Uh, so, um, what we'll see also is you, know, you have to pass legislation like this. You oftentimes have to compromise. You oftentimes have to have um, uh, you know people, Democrats and Republicans, uh, get to the table, and you have to pass uh, the House, the Senate, and, and it has to be signed by the President. And uh, the if uh, if we have a uh, Trump um, presidency for the next four years. Uh, Does he get what he wants? Highly unlikely, because we have a a Democrat controlled house. We've got a a Republican uh, controlled Senate that could change. Uh, So, um, what he wants might not necessarily be the law. Uh, And then if Biden were to be elected, uh, he would to be able to enact uh, his agenda. He would uh likely have to have a senate that uh was democrat democrat controlled which could happen but uh until it does uh that would be uh, a barrier for him to uh initiate his
0: uh tax uh proposals right no it's it's good to mention i mean it is these are proposals there's be a lot of horse trading and a lot of uh legislating that would have to be done to, to make these changes, but but it, it is good to hear kind of the 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 this, mindset between the two, uh, as families are looking at uh, November. And, and I, I don't
1: think yeah, and I don't think it, this is a surprise to anybody that you know the Democrat side of the house wants to raise taxes, and the uh, and the Republican side of the house wants to lower taxes. That's uh, that's been a common Uh, Argument between the 2 parties for um, as long as I can recall Uh, what is a little unique is that this will be. uh, If Biden is elected and does pass his uh, uh, get his uh, agenda passed, it will be the largest tax increase. ever. Uh, So, uh, those are certainly things to keep in mind uh, as we follow this process
0: what about the a uh, different uh, side of the code that uh you and i uh, spend a lot of time discussing uh the state tax yeah. and, and what what would mean uh what would a change in administration mean around there um as far as you know uh, exemptions and and rates and, and things of where we are i mean I'd, I'd love for you to talk about the trifecta in, in a bit but i'd, I'd love to uh, but uh, but if we could get some differences or, or proposals that you've seen in that area, I think that would be helpful for folks to hear. Um,
1: right now, under the uh, 2017 Tax Act, the um, federal estate and gift taxation exemption, so the amount that you can transfer free of estate or gift taxes, is um, $10 million. That number is indexed for inflation. So, uh, and it, it's the Adjustments begin in 2011. Um, So if you look at the number today, it sits $10,000,000 as indexed from uh, for inflation back to 2011, Uh, it us at about 11 and a half million, 11.58 million dollars per person. So husband and wife can each transfer 11.58 million dollars either during their life or upon their death, uh, estate and gift tax free. If we repeal uh, as, Mr. Biden has suggested the 2017 tax act, that number reverts to $5 million as indexed for inflation. Uh, So you would have an exemption of roughly, uh, let's call it $5.8 million per uh, per person. So that's a pretty sizable cut uh, in the exemption amount. Now, that's just if we eliminate, if we had an elimination of 2017 act, Um, Over the course of uh, the last five, eight years, as the estate tax exemption has grown, um, we have seen a lot of horse trading in in that uh, area. And my opinion is that if we happen to have a Democrat controlled house, Democrat controlled Senate, and a Democrat in the uh, office of the president, that the estate tax law would revert to $3.5 3.5 million dollars that's a talking point that I see many times over uh, so the exemption would be 3.5 million dollars uh, or maybe even lower and we would have I believe we would have a reversion to the graduated uh, tax rates that we had um, prior to uh, the 2010s in where, where the tax started at 40 percent. Uh, got up to 55% and if you were over a threshold amount could even be as high 60% Uh, right now, the tax rate uh, is a flat 40%. Um, So, um, if we have a Democrat trifecta, um, I would. Uh, expect that there would be a significant reduction, even below uh, the elimination uh, of the 2017 act on the estate tax exemption per person and an increase in the tax. Uh, so those are pretty sizable, um, uh, sizable changes. In addition, um, uh, and this is one that is fraught with administrative um, difficulty, uh, Biden has suggested that um, the what's referred to as the step-up in basis at death uh, would be eliminated. So right now, uh, if uh, my grandmother and grandfather bought uh, stock for a hundred thousand dollars and they decided that when they passed away they wanted to leave it uh, to me uh, and they held it for let's call it say 10 years and that one hundred thousand dollar investment went up to five hundred thousand dollars when they died the basis for capital gains would reset to what the value was when they died five hundred thousand so in essence if i inherited the stock and sold it the next day i would have no capital gains tax. Um, and that has been um, the structure for many, many years. We tried to change it. Uh, when I say we, uh, the government tried to change it, but uh, repealed that change uh, back uh, in the earlier two thousands. The proposal that Biden has suggested is that no step up in basis. So, uh, in that exact same example, grandparents buy it for hundred thousand. When they pass, it's worth five hundred thousand. I inherit it from them. The next day I sell it for $500,000. I have $400,000 of gain, which will be taxed at the capital gains rate in effect at that point in time, which under Biden's proposal would be as high as 39.6%, depending upon where income levels are, and an additional 3.8% net investment income tax. So a dramatically different set of of, uh, scenarios Uh, if there is no step up in basis. One of the things that becomes very difficult in that scenario is the tracking uh, of basis. Uh, We've come a long way uh, over my career, uh, but it is still oftentimes incredibly difficult uh, to determine the basis of assets uh, that have been held for Uh, a long period of time and that are inherited. So those are really the three uh, core areas around um, the uh, federal estate taxes that would be likely modified
0: uh, under uh, Mr. Biden's proposal versus Mr. Trump's proposal. Thanks, Jason. And could you give us maybe 60 seconds on the the trifecta area that you've been uh, speaking about with families around uh, the state tax. Sure. So, the background.
1: Yeah. So, knowing that, that even under the 2017 um, legislation, knowing that this increase in exemption of the 11, where we sit now, $11.58 million was going to revert in 2025, at the end of 2025. What we have um, been talking to families about is uh the need to do some planning to utilize that high gift tax exemption uh transfer assets oftentimes to um to what i refer to as access trusts, where a husband might transfer assets to a trust for the benefit of his wife his wife is the primary beneficiary uh and can control investment decisions uh can access the funds via distributions uh, but it's not includable in her estate uh, and it's not includable in her husband's estate you can lock those higher uh, exemption amounts in place by making transfers right now. That's the first piece of the trifecta. The second piece of the trifecta is that whenever we have volatility, um, like we've had the last uh, several months with uh, uh, the stock market, um, what ends up happening is that, um, particularly on the, uh, the private, closely held business ownership interests, we get valuations that, uh, that are pushed down. Uh, and we've seen that time and time again, uh, over the course of the last four months of working with entrepreneurial closely held business owners, uh, is that valuations uh, have uh, come down from where they were at the beginning of the year. So you combine uh, the first leg of the trifecta, increased exemption amounts that might be going away. Second leg of the, uh, the trifecta, which is a valuation disconnect because of COVID-19, you have a a pretty unique opportunity. The third leg of the trifecta stool is um, that we now sit at the um, historic low intra-family lending rates. Uh, Right now, if a family member chose to lend money to um, a trust for Uh, Junior generation, or directly to the junior generation family members, they could do so um, for a 3 to 9 year. um, Loan at a rate as low as 0.41% that's the lowest that's ever been. So this 3rd component of the um, of the trifecta is that for families who have assets that are significantly more valuable. Then even the 11.58 million dollars that each spouse can transfer, they can sell those assets and in turn uh, be the bank, i.e. a seller financed note. And the interest rates uh, of those notes uh, can be as low as uh, 41 basis points for what we typically use, which is a three to nine year term on the on the note. It is a, as I tell people, a once in a generation, opportunity to preserve protect and pass wealth particularly uh, for entrepreneurial closely held business owners who have a non-publicly traded uh, assets that have been uh, affected by uh, the volatility uh, associated with the, the pandemic so in a nutshell uh, a planning opportunity the likes of which we have never seen before uh, i've been doing this for 30 years and i've never seen Uh, the, the opportunity to shift wealth, uh, as, um, attractive as it is right now. That being said, with a Biden presidency, uh, we would expect, uh, one of those two legs of the trifecta to be pulled out, uh, the higher exemption amounts, uh, and that opportunity likely, uh, will pass, uh, will pass wealthy families by.
0: Jason, what about uh, Senator Sanders' recent um, introduction of a bill uh, called the Make Billionaires Pay Act, which was aimed at, uh, I believe, helping on the health care payments uh, for individuals? How does that figure into uh, this election cycle and, and, and your thoughts on it in, in general?
1: Well, and what are the likelihood of the Make Billionaires Pay Act? Uh, what's the likelihood of that being passed? very, very little or low, uh, but I think you're starting to see a theme. Um, and this theme is not only at the federal level, uh, New York had uh, state legislation introduced, which, which have, with a very similar theme. So Mr. Sanders uh, has identified 467 billionaires uh, in the, the United States. And his proposal uh, is to tax uh, it's a mark to market tax of 60% on. The gains of those individuals that, the wealth gains that they um, incurred uh, from March 18th through the end of the year. So, March 18th, presumably, right? When the pandemic reached, it's, its um, uh, fervor here in the United States. Uh, Mr. Sanders wants his proposal is to uh, tax those billionaires uh like Jeff Bezos, uh who have had uh and the Walmart family who have had their wealth increased uh during the pandemic. It would be a 60% tax on those gains. Um when I say mark to market, uh you would look at the value of those individuals' assets as of March 18. Uh you would then value those assets on uh, December 31 uh and that if there was an increase there would be a sixty percent tax now, what gets real dangerous here is that this would be uh, a um, a diversion from our tax system where we uh, where we only tax income when earned, capital gains uh, on assets when we sell them uh, there would be Uh, A tax, regardless of whether or not you sold these assets. Uh, So what we would be facing uh, is a, as far as I can recall, a 1st. Time that we would mark to market. I don't believe something like this will happen, uh, but out of it, you're seeing New York with their uh, proposal uh, of a very similar type tax. And you're seeing a lot of dialogue and discussion around the country at the state and local level about uh, increasing taxes as an example. In California, there's proposed legislation uh, that would increase their uh, state income tax rates as of where we sit right now. California has the highest state income taxes in the country 13.3%. Uh, What they're proposing, uh, they have a legislative proposal that would uh, put a 1% surtax uh, on top of that 13.3% if you made over a million dollars. That surtax would be 3% if you made over 2 million, and it would be 3.5% if you made over 5 million. So someone in California uh, who makes over 5 million dollars would be looking at a 16.8% state income tax. Couple that with a, either a 37 or a uh, 39.6%. Federal income tax, you could be looking at income tax uh, rates on your income of anywhere between 54 and almost 57%. Uh, So we're seeing uh, a number of states who have had difficulty managing their uh, fiscal responsibilities uh, turn, to uh, the solution of taxing uh, high-income earners. Uh, another example is uh, a local tax. Nashville, uh, Nashville, Tennessee just increased their um, it's, well. It's not an income tax. They just increased their property tax uh, by 37 uh, percent to cover shortfalls. Uh, and this is a very, I think, a very dangerous strategy um, coming out of of um, this pandemic. Uh, why is that one? Uh, I think we got a pretty good grasp on how to work from uh, remotely uh, or from home. Uh, and in the past, uh, if you would have told, uh, Americans that they would be working from home or working from remotely, uh, that that would have been a disastrous thought while it's not perfect by no means. Uh, I think what we found out is that we could, uh, there's certain industries, certain segments of the industry uh, that can be productive without having everybody in an office. Uh, so, when you combine states with, uh, when you combine the, the situation where a state is contemplating uh, increasing taxes and a newfound ability to wor- work remotely, you're going to have scenarios where people are going to pack their bags and they're going to move uh, and uh, it very well could be that uh, many. Entrepreneurs will uh, move their businesses because at what point in time, do you pass the threshold where the tax uh, the taxation at the state level is just too much. Um, 16.8% in California, where you can move to Nevada, where it's 0 uh, or Texas, where it's 0 or Florida. Uh, where it's zero, uh, there are a number of alternatives and and even the governor of New York has suggested that raising taxes on the wealthy in the state of um, in the state of New York is not a very good idea because those people are going to pack their bags and move uh, now he's not anti tax increase. he thinks it should be uh, a federal rule so that uh, you can't move. Uh, from one state to, to uh, another and invo- avoid the increase in income taxes. Um, but he is cognizant and aware that if New York raises their income taxes uh, or incorporates a billionaire tax, that those folks are the, the most capable uh, of picking up, packing their bags, and moving somewhere else. Uh, so that's a very dangerous uh, strategy for uh, for states to uh be considering as as we just kind of figured out that uh there is the ability to work remotely
0: so uh I think that's an interesting point to bring up in terms of mobility um and flexibility that that's coming out of the crisis who knows if if that's going to be something that becomes more permanent or it's, it's 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 temporary for the next twelve months but uh other than the anecdotes have you heard of any uh any states that are you know you know you mentioned new york but there any other states that are concerned or states that are looking to welcome folks uh in this area It, it would be interesting to hear on that end
1: well i think you you have the the um texas and florida come to mind uh right off the bat they're uh both zero um Income tax states, uh, they have uh, we have seen. Uh, max mass exodus uh, into from high tax states into those states in the past, uh, arguably, uh, they have uh, a more attractive. Uh, climate than year round climate, than uh, northern states uh, there will be and there are um, politicians in those states. Uh, that are opening up their arms and welcoming uh, businesses and entrepreneurs uh, and wealth owners who are looking to get out of high uh, high tax
0: states. Great. Well, uh, I think that that covers a lot of the bases uh, that we were looking for uh, today on, on the tax uh, policies and plans of the two presidential Candidate, so thank you, Jason. Uh, really appreciate
1: it. You're very welcome. And, and as I always say, when we're talking about proposals, uh, what starts uh, and ends are often two different things. There's a lot of fluidity uh, as we navigate through the process. Uh, I suspect that Biden, uh, if he wins the election, will not get everything he wants. And I suspect that if. Uh, Trump uh, remains the president that he will not get everything he wants. It's a very fluid um, uh, process, but this at least uh, shares where we stand today with each uh, respective candidates' uh, proposals. And from there, we will have to wait and see. But I will say um, that for families who are contemplating uh, utilizing these higher estate and gift tax exemptions—that your window not only is going to close very, very quickly uh, if you—if uh, we have a, a Biden um, uh, president—but you're going to ha- be hard pressed to find professional counsel to help you effectuate the strategies uh, because of the very limited time frame that uh, you'll have to act in, and the very limited. Uh, amount of intellectual capital that exists to help families uh effectuate those strategies so as I, i've been talking to uh, every one of our clients this is something that needs to be put on the front burner uh, and actionable um, items need to be uh, addressed uh, otherwise you might find yourself uh, deciding to do something but not being able to get it implemented because there just aren't enough folks uh, across the country that uh, that
0: will be able to help
1: uh, families if we get into a 2 or 3 month uh, time
0: crunch well to leave it on a bright note jason you and your team uh at, at boston private are certainly experts and, and have helped a lot of families over the years with that so i'd encourage folks to get in touch with you
1: absolutely um,
0: as part of that so well listen thank you jason again you know uh, to, to our listeners if you'd like to get in touch with jason or if you have any questions do send us an email to familyoffice at com. I'd also recommend you check out our website, Uh, you can find numerous resources, sign up for our family office newsletter, get this podcast and much, much more in your inbox uh, and learn about how we work with family offices, business owners uh, and more. Uh, That website is bostonprivate.com forward slash family office. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you prefer to listen. Give us a like, leave us a comment, and uh, thank you again uh, to Jason, and thank you all for joining us. That's it for today. Bye, everybody.
2: The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth management services are offered through Boston Private Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly-owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank and Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed, and may lose value.